Good afternoon. This is Greg Lois, uh, managing partner of Lois LLC. Thank you for joining me today. Our webinar topic is penalties and no coverage uh, fines and exposure in New York workers' compensation cases. Uh, this is part of our uh, New York workers' compensation webinar series, which meets the uh, third Monday of every month, two sessions, 12 and 3 p.m., of course, both times Eastern. Our webinar uh, series uh, goes through essentially the topics in my book, basically chapter by chapter, and our goal is to get a fundamental 101 level understanding of workers' compensation law and practice in New York. Every year, the presentations and the webinars change as we adapt to uh, changes in regulations, changes in practice before the board, and of course, the new case law that comes out. Our webinar series concludes uh, with this topic, which is penalties. It's one of the last chapters in my book. And next month, we'll restart the webinar series and go back to basics. Uh, the definition of the employment relationship, which of course uh, forms the basis for our exposure under the workers' compensation laws, uh, becomes our topic for next month. Uh, my partner, Steve Bedoya, and associate Yusra Hussein will be presenting that topic. And we're going to go, again, right through our curriculum, which is published on our website, under the Events tab. All of the uh, future webinars are there. And you know, we welcome you to join us for all of them. And this is now our second, uh, this will be beginning our third run through the curriculum, our third year of going through these topics. And we're looking forward to an exciting year. There's been some interesting changes in some of the topics that are coming up. We hope you join us. We also have a New Jersey webinar series, uh, which is also once a month. It is the fourth Monday of the month, uh, and that is uh, New Jersey topics. Um, if you miss a webinar or you've just got the handout but you couldn't make the live presentation, that's great. Uh, all of our webinar videos, all of our materials are on our website under webinar archive. And there is closed captioning for all of the videos, so uh, you can read along. You don't even have to have the volume turned up at work uh, to keep up with our webinar schedule. All right, today, and I hope you have your handout in front of you, uh, we'll be discussing primarily penalties in New York, but we're also going to be talking about some of the legal topics and landmines in our workers' compensation law for employers. Um, Again, uh, I hope that you have our handout in front of you. Please uh, take advantage of our handbook offer. I'm very happy to hand out or mail you our handbook uh, with many articles on our website, including many articles on penalties on our website uh, and also our newsletter. So in the handout, you've got a list of all of the, but not all of them, but just the most common penalties we have in New York. And if you are an adjuster or a risk professional handling claims before the workers' compensation boards, it often feels like we're just a pinata uh, being penalized all the time. Uh, statistically, in New York, the average workers' compensation claim during its lifestyle, life cycle excuse me, generates approximately $300 in penalties from the board. If you're doing better than that, great. You're doing a great job as a risk professional. If you're doing worse, hey, room for improvement. Uh, one of the most common penalties we see is the 25-3E penalty. That's the one on the bottom. Uh, that's a $50 penalty, and we see that all the time, particularly where the board is requesting things uh, like a wage statement or information from the employer or the insurance carrier or their third-party administrator, and you simply don't respond in time, and the board loves to whack you with that $50 penalty. There's a number of other penalties, and, and I'm going to talk uh, primarily about the most powerful and the worst penalty, 
which is when we don't pay our award within the 10-day uh, period. You don't issue those checks. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. Uh, New York, about a year and a half ago, also instituted what it calls payer compliance. This is just essentially trying to get benefits flowing to claimants faster. Uh, New York, uh, paradoxically, uh, is one of the states in which employers expend the most amount for workers' compensation coverage or exposure, uh, which employs, and the board uh, has uh, 1,500 employees and a $150 million budget, just a huge amount of sums being paid and being expended in New York. But the benefits, and often um, uh, the results are quite meager, uh, our reforms, which are now almost 10 years old, uh, were really in response to the fact that uh, New York had this tremendous machinery and all this bureaucracy, but actually when it get down to the claimant level, uh, benefits were just not filtering down to them. They were getting caught up in the machinery. Payer compliance is just an extension of those ideas, which is trying to push employers and carriers to make those initial payments faster. And essentially, we now have 10 days after our knowledge of the injury, uh, or 18 days after they lost work, if there is no specific knowledge or notice, to start issuing those payments. And that's meant that my clients and uh, the risk professionals out there have to make decisions more quickly uh, on cases. And often we're having to make these decisions now without even having any medical information to look at. In fact, payer compliance doesn't really mean that there has to be any medical evidence in order for us to start paying. So this is something to be mindful of. Uh, in the beginning, there was a lot of threats from the board. I don't think that they're actually enforcing all these penalties that they were doing that anymore. Um, I would actually like to hear from the audience about whether uh, payer compliance is continuing to be enforced in your organization or not. Uh, it seems like this was the hot topic uh, in front of the board a year and a half ago, and it's sort of gone away. All right. Uh, the other uh, interesting or, or really uh, uh, unfortunate thing that we see before the board is that there are sig very significant penalties, extremely significant penalties, for failing to carry workers' compensation insurance in New York. And there are both civil and criminal penalties. Let's talk about the civil side, because we see them in the workers' compensation courts. Um, we will be there handling matters for our clients, and you'll see some poor, uninsured employer there. Uh, sometimes they are very sympathetic employers. It is the uh, 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 son who hired a home health aide, maybe out of Craigslist, to take care of his mom who was dying at home. And this health aide's now worked for them for a year taking care of mom. Health aide sustains an injury in, in the home. And lo and behold, there's no workers' compensation policy. And now this poor person, this poor son who's trying to maybe do the right thing for his mom, uh, has got a penalty from the board in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, or $100,000, uh, because the board said, hello, uh, you've employed this person for 75 weeks. Uh, hi, uh, that's like a $70,000 fine. You owe us that money. And we've seen people in court trying to argue these ginormous fines. Um, in addition, they're still exposed uh, for the amount of any award, or and, and this is in particular medical treatment, that is then paid for uh, for this employee, for this actual employee, even though they were not covered under a workers' comp policy because this employer didn't pay for workers' comp, uh, because the uninsured employer's fund pays for the medical treatment and then just turns around and sues the actual employer. Uh, so we see that uh, pretty frequently. It, they're very, oftentimes, they're very compelling cases. In my experience, and particularly, we don't uh, generally handle many of these. In other words, we're not ever really retained by these uh, employers to uh, defend them. But when I see them in court, uh, it's typically 
uh, someone who's hired someone to come and work in their home, maid, housekeeper, home health aid for a, a family member, a hospice care, and they just didn't uh, maybe think about the implications of that from a workers' compensation perspective. Uh, more rarely, the, uh, it is the true uninsured employer case in which you know we have a fly-by-night contractor who's simply not insuring all of his employees or getting coverage in other states that maybe doesn't apply in New York because there might be an exclusion on that policy. We've seen all of those things. There's also criminal penalties. Uh, so, you know, in addition to the workers' compensation penalty, there's a criminal fine. The fines are very, very significant, and particularly if the uh, alleged employer has a number of employees. Uh, some of these fines can certainly put a uh, small business right out of business. And uh, that way, and for those reasons, always very valuable to get workers' compensation coverage in New York. All right, let's talk uh, about illegal employment. This is um, not illegal employment in the way that it's often thought of, but it should be, I think. Uh, this is really minors. Uh, this is typically uh, children working in specific employments they shouldn't be working in. This is not illegal employment, meaning undocumented workers or ineligible workers, right? Uh, we're thinking now uh, illegal aliens. I don't know if that's a politically correct term. You can say it or not, but undocumented workers are not considered illegal employees, even though their employment might be in violation of federal or state labor laws, and certainly uh, they don't have working papers or any working status in this country. That is not what's meant by this term. Illegal employment typically refers to uh, minors in New York, and minors are those underage, uh, typically children, who are employed in specific uh, employments, which they're not allowed. There are many exceptions. Uh, those exceptions are for things like caddies, babysitters, any casual employment, you know, the kid who comes and maybe shovels your walk in wintertime, newspaper carriers. Um, strangely, I thought this was kind of interesting that's actually in the statute, bridge caddies at bridge tournaments are exempted from having to be covered or be considered minor employees. Now, minors have a very dangerous um, exposure to an employer because uh, they can be entitled to either their choice, double workers' compensation benefits, or they can simply sue the employer in a civil court. And we've also seen uh, cases in which a, a minor employee was also an illegal alien or an undocumented worker. So in this case, we have an illegal undocumented worker, someone with no working status or status in this country. This is truly a, a border jumper. Uh, who's working for a construction company. Now, the construction company uh, hired this employee uh, who actually presented a fake ID that said he was 24 years old and had uh, permanent resident status and could be working. So they hired this person. There's then an injury at, in the workplace, and now this person says, oh, by the way, uh, I am actually not the person I said I was on my uh, license that I presented you, but I'm actually 16 years old. Now this employer is saying, wait a second, I." Uh, how was I supposed to know this person 16 years old? They presented me with a fake ID, false identification. Uh, the workers' compensation law judge uh, said, well, well, we don't care. There's a, there's a good faith standard here. I'm sorry, there is no good faith standard. The employer is not allowed to just rely on whatever they're told by their employee, and therefore you're exposed. Now, I'm pleased to report that we had that decision reversed at the board panel level, but there's a case involving both a minor employee and a truly illegal employee, meaning someone with no work status. Again, the lack of work status in this country does not bar an employee from A, either working for somebody on or off the books, or B, uh, recovering workers' compensation benefits. All right, uh, here's the penalty that we see the most frequently, and this is the most unfortunate penalty. 
25.3F, uh, this is our statutory section, which states that when a workers' compensation award, and this would be an order, not a voluntary payment, an order is not paid within 10 days, the claimant is entitled to a penalty, to be paid an extra penalty on top of that. And that penalty is to be 20% of the total award, okay? That's a huge amount of money sometimes. Uh, now, let's be cautious. This is most dangerous in Section 32 settlements in New York, where the entire settlement is going to be paid at once, right? And you've settled a case for $100,000. Uh, you don't issue the check until the 11th day. Guess what? You now have an exposure of an additional $20,000. Um, in a loss of wage earning capacity or a schedule uh, or any sort of payment where the payment's going to be paid um, weekly or monthly going forward, you're only going to be exposed for a penalty on the unpaid portion of that award, not the total award. So that's something to keep in mind. And then finally, these are often resolved, right? Uh, a lot of our clients say, Greg, I don't want to get a penalty on the file. I'd be happier to pay an M&T, okay? So that is a one-time payment. Uh, that was is supposed to be for medicine or transportation in conjunction with medical treatment, but it's a way of sort of sidestepping the penalty. And often our adversaries will say, "Hey, I'm very happy as long as you're paying me the same or similar amount to what I would obtain on that uh, penalty, the 20% penalty. I'm happy to do it as an MNT. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change the overall uh, value of the award." All right. Um, other penalties, more rarely imposed, are those for frivolous appeal. Uh, again, these penalties are payable to the claimant. And this is where we're raising an issue under Section 23 that really has absolutely no merit. The reason there is a penalty for frivolous appeal in New York uh, is twofold. One, there is no shifting of attorney's fees in the case where you lose an appeal. But two, it's because appeals have such strategic value in New York. Uh, in our January uh, webinar, uh, my associate Yusra was talking about appeals in New York and how that initial board level appeal, the appeal from the, uh, the law judge level, that first appeal, is such a strategic and powerful and tactical appeal because you get to stay payments when that appeal is made. And for all those reasons, um, there is a bias towards appealing law, uh, law judge level decisions. Sometimes we don't expect to, over, to prevail in the overall appeal, but we're getting that tactical benefit of stopping payments right then. All right, that could also lend itself to some bad behavior, and that's why we have this penalty for frivolous appeal. Now, I threw in this one slide here about penalties against the claimant and claimant's attorney, but ha-ha, it almost never happens, or I'm, it's a unicorn. Maybe, maybe it could happen, maybe sometime in the past that we don't see them. Uh, penalties against the employer, you see them all the time. Frivolous adjournment, failing to appear, $1,000. Uh, uh, defenses precluded. Uh, failing to file something on time, defenses precluded. Legal defenses precluded. Uh, we can get a $1,000 fine if counsel just simply fails to appear for a hearing or if we're late. Uh, if the claimant doesn't appear for a hearing, nothing happens. They just reschedule those hearings, right? So these penalties against the claimant and claimant's attorney are extraordinarily rarely enforced, and so it's not even worth really talking about them. All right, uh, that was just a brief overview of the, uh, the penalty topic and the exposures for uh, lack of uh, workers' compensation coverage. We also discussed a little bit about illegal employment and that in the context of minors. Uh, next month, we are going to restart our webinar series. Uh, we're going to go back to the basics. Uh, my partner, Steve Bedoya, and associate Yusra Hussein will be presenting on the topic of who is an employer, who's the employee in New York. These are the basic fundamental question that we have to answer 
in order for us to A, find coverage and exposure, and then B, determine what we're going to do with the case, and that gets down to compensability and other substantive issues. We hope you join us next month. Thanks for joining us today. I'll be responding to any questions that were typed in today during this webinar over email. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye.